Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the September 2013 CTSS quiz. And we're going to share with you 10 outstanding cases, and I hope you got them all right. But more importantly, or equally important, I hope you learned something from these cases. And uh, let's get going. This is a great case. This is a very nice example of a CT angiogram, arm extended above the head. And really, the question is, what's going on here? And if you look, what first looks like to you a saccular aneurysm coming off the patient's uh, axillary and brachial arteries, really, when you think about it for a second, that's a very typical appearance because you look at the artery side and you look at the venous side. That's a classic picture of an AV fistula, and that's a very not uncommon location for dialysis patients having an AV fistula. Angiosarcomas, the vessels would be irregular, and AV fistula for trauma is a thought because there is connection from the arterial to venous supply, but there you would see it a whole different appearance. Similarly with AVMs due to trauma or congenital, you often see many different vessels feeding in a much more irregular type configuration. This is a very nice example of an AV fistula in a dialysis patient. This patient had right upper quadrant pain, fever, and you can think of many things. You can think about an infarct, that's a possibility. Could it be a tumor, the patient's 20 and there's no cirrhosis. There's no neovascularity. Also, you can see I showed you an angio image. Cholangiocarcinomas, if it was an older patient, more centrally located, you might think about that. But this is hypodense, fairly well-defined, and this was an abscess. And what's really incredible about this case it was hydata disease. Now, most hydata disease we think about, 70 plus percent, have calcified rims. They're very cystic. This was very unusual, and this was a great surprise. The patient had a good history for this diagnosis, but just a really nice example of hydata disease and a very much a typical presentation. In this case, I asked you what the best diagnosis is, and the first thing you see is good flow in the azagus. When you look at the SVC, you're not really seeing any flow to any great degree. There's some flow present, and there's something in the SVC, which in fact is a stent or a catheter. And then you look posteriorly around the aorta and posterior metastinum, you see multiple small collaterals present. And so what you're dealing with here is a classic example of SVC syndrome, SVC occlusion, uh, can be due to lymphoma, can be due to carcinoma, can be due to thymoma, many different causes. One of the most common is due to an indwelling catheter, which obstructs and occludes the vessel, which was the case here, and very nice collateralization. So it's something to consider. Patients with catheters in place, particularly long-standing catheters, particularly patients like dialysis patients, are really at high risk for developing SVC occlusion. This is a very pretty case. The first thing you'll notice is the patient is cirrhotic. You then see a mass in the right lobe of the liver, which is in part exophytic. You quickly recognize the mass have, has abnormal vascularity and neovascularity, which is particularly well shown on the CT angiogram. And that's very much a classic case for hepatoma. When I'm showing you a cirrhotic liver and there's a vascular mass, you better be thinking hepatoma. The fact is the vascularity does not look like hemangioma and is surely not an FNH where you see homogeneous enhancement and is not hepatic adenoma. So at many levels, is a classic hepatocellular carcinoma. Very nice example. When you look at this case, just the axial images alone, you see what looks like a big necrotic process going on in the pancreatic bed. 
And yes, if the patient had a Whipple's procedure or pancreatic resection, this could be a post-op complication, but the patient had no surgery. When you look at the coronal view, you see the extent of this process and then the infiltration down into the mesentery. And really, at the end of the day, could this be a pancreatic abscess? In fact, it is uh, in part a pancreatic abscess. It is sort of a phlegmon. Yes, it's inflamed. But the best diagnosis here really is pancreatic necrosis with abscess. So I give you maybe part credit, but B gets the most credit. It's a pancreatic necrosis. You're not seeing any enhancement in the gland. Just a very, very impressive example. And this patient will need surgery and surgical debridement in all likelihood. When we look these days at one of the newest procedures, we talk about TAVER, where we're putting aortic valves from peripheral access. They're older patients, and this is an example of a TAVER. But what you can see is the outpouchings. Look at the image, particularly on your right, the outpouching around the base where the TAVER was placed. And that's a classic appearance, regardless of how the surgery is done, for the appearance of pseudoaneurysms. TAVERs have all sorts of complications, including dissection and regurge and misplacement and failure. But this is a very nice example of pseudoaneurysm. I've spoken before about the dangers of missing bladder cancer. I want to show you this case. This is a very nice example of arterial and late phase or excretory phase imaging. If you only had the right image, the excretory phase, mass in the bladder, very nicely seen polypoid. Early phase, you see the enhancement. There's not much to describe beyond that in this case or to think of a differential diagnosis. This is a classic bladder cancer. It's not a stone. It's not an infection. It's not a blood clot. You see the vascularity. This is classic for a TCC of the bladder. Very, very nice example. When you look at this case, the first thing you say is, well, there's mass in the tail of the pancreas. Could it be adenocarcinoma? Probably not. It's not low density enough. What about neuroendocrine tumors? They can be multiple, and you think about that. But then you realize in arterial phase imaging, they're not very vascular. But of course, neuroendocrine tumors are not always very vascular. But then you see you have multiple lesions. Okay, you can have multiple neuroendocrine, but that's sort of unusual. But then when you look even more carefully, you'll notice that these masses behave identical on early arterial and venous phase as the spleen. And remember, we've shown you many cases where accessory spleens can simulate masses of the pancreas. This was a very nice example of multiple accessory spleens pushing into the pancreatic tail, simulating a pancreatic mass. Very nice example. If in doubt, a nuclear medicine tagrid blood cell study can be done. What's important in this case is the patient was asymptomatic. And when you look at the images, and I'm showing you an abdomen and lung windows, you know I'm showing you pneumatosis, which I'm showing you here. But look how impressive the pneumatosis is. It involves all the small bowel, large bowel, but it's so symmetric. Ischemic bowel, it would look more irregular. The patient would have some ascites possibly, and the patient would surely not be asymptomatic. Infarcted bowel, the patient's not asymptomatic, and yes, you can get pneumatosis from colonoscopy, but not this extensive. So you're left with scleroderma, and we have seen a number of patients with scleroderma who present with incidental pneumatosis that's so extensive, just like this case, and just very symmetric in terms of appearance. So this was a wonderful example of scleroderma. So again, not everybody with pneumatosis has ischemic bowel. This case is a great case, 10 days post Whipple's procedure. Without looking hard, you see a bleed. Post Whipple's procedure, you see a right-sided bleed. You better be thinking 
about a GDA aneurysm. When you look a bit closer at the images, you can see the bright structure. That's the GDA pseudoaneurysm, or aneurysm in this case. You can see the bleed present. Again, CT is very good in the postoperative period, looking for abscesses or collections. But one of the things we look very carefully for are pseudoaneurysms. Most commonly, GDA, patients can exsanguinate. But GDA is number one, hepatic artery is probably number two, splenic artery might be number three. So anyway, those are 10 very good cases. Hopefully they made you think about stuff, and hopefully that stuff was of interest, and hopefully you now know more stuff than you knew before this quiz when you knew less stuff. And with that, have a great day.